you're in the right place, so stay right where you are. In just a few seconds, you'll be listening to the Preppers and Makers podcast, the podcast of the future, the podcast of the survival technician, and the podcast for those middle-of-the-road people who still want to be alive after apocalypse. Hello, my survival technicians. Welcome back, and we're going to have another wonderful and entertaining discussion today. I don't know if it's going to be educational, but at least I can try to be entertaining. I hope you're getting something out of these. I would love to say that I was able to help somebody make something in their life better with some of this education, entertainment, information. Today we're going to talk about survival. Now, uh, in the past you've heard about survivalists and preppers and the preparing for end of the world and zombie apocalypse and floods and tornadoes and hurricanes and natural disasters. A lot of this comes into play when you look at things that have been happening in the last few decades, like the Hurricane Katrina that hit New Orleans. That taught everybody a lot of stuff about surviving disasters. The tornadoes that come across Oklahoma on a regular basis These are definite survival issues, and every year you have someone who has to face this. Somewhere, sometime, right now, there's a disaster happening to someone, and that's just the fact of things. So today we're going to discuss survival in a little bit different viewpoint than I hope you have heard before. You have probably heard about wilderness survival and survival in the wild. What happens and how do you deal with the environment you're not used to. In the urban environment, hopefully you have an easy time surviving because there are other people, there are resources, there's water, food, shelter, those sort of things. Today we're going to discuss what happens if that's not actually the case. Urban survival. And we're going to compare it to its neighbor, the wilderness survival. You can go to the library, you can get a lot of really tried and true books on wilderness survival in the context of military survival for pilots down behind enemy lines, stranded, shipwrecked, all that sort of stuff. And you'll occasionally find some really good books that are basically about extreme camping. Things like survival with style and uh, bushcraft skills, those sort of things. The native peoples indigenous peoples of all lands before technology came had to have these skills. They weren't considered survival skills. These were just skills that you had every day. Now, to us, those are survival skills because we're thinking about non-everyday life. But really, everything you do every day is really about survival skills. The way that you deal with and negotiate getting a job, keeping a job, getting promoted in that job or getting a raise or moving to a better job. These are survival issues because you have to have that money or that resource to pay rent, to buy food, gas for your car, and so forth. So, urban survival, what we're going to talk about today, is kind of in between those two theories, the wilderness survival and the everyday that you have now. We're going to start by considering what happens if your car breaks down and you're lost in the middle of a, we'll just say, bad neighborhood. An urban survival situation is about awareness and how to get to friendly and compliant sources of help and resources. 
Phones are available everywhere. But what if they're not? What if this is in the middle of a disaster? You got stranded in a city because you were there when a tornado hit it. Well, let's think about the prepper's mindset for urban survival here. The normal prepper's mindset should be that you create a society in a small context, a community of people around you that have skills that you can rely on. You know what skills you bring to the situation, and so you're going to data mine the people around you for resources. Ideally, you're going to find people who are skilled in first aid, CPR, medical assistance, and so forth in the event that this disaster has caused injury. If there's a disaster this bad, it is most likely that there's going to be at least mild or minor injuries somewhere around you. Dealing with those is very important. Now, along with this, it would be very good to find somebody familiar with the area. If this were wilderness survival and you happened upon somebody out there who knew the area, you would have a wilderness guide. Here, you would hopefully find an urban guide, someone who knows the area, knows where not to go, and where to go to get out as easily as possible, or where to be safe until help arrives if it's an actual disaster situation. In these events, you have some source with the people around you. Let's assume next that you may be in a situation where you're totally alone. There may be people around you, but you don't know them. Maybe you're in a foreign country even, and you don't speak the language. You don't have any method of communicating with them, and they seem hostile toward you. In this event, you're going to have to treat them like the wilderness survival cousin, where you're dealing with wild animals and predators. You're going to have to find a way to safely evade and avoid these predatory sources. I'm not saying that everybody turns into a predator, but let's assume that you stand out in a political way, in a place where you don't look, act, and speak like the locals, and they have an extreme prejudice against you. This does make them predatory sources. You have to avoid them and evade them. So, there's that consideration. Now, let's go all the way down the road to full-on walking dead zombie apocalypse. Maybe you are one of the only survivors, if not the only survivor, in a situation where the world around you has just crumbled and fallen into dis disrepair and disarray. What you need to do at this point is look at it in exactly the same way that you would have an environment like the wilderness survival. You may not be in trees, and bushes, fields, places where you have uh, nature to contend with, but you are in an urban environment, urban environment, sorry, where you have all of the environment around you to contend with. How do you get in and out of buildings? How do you use them for shelter? How do you use them for cover? Uh, in the Walking Dead situation, we have zombies, but let's say that we have looters who are out trying to get something for themselves that aren't even concerned about you and what happens to you. So you want to avoid and evade them just as well. 
When you consider environments like this, this is what is referred to as a non-compliant environment or a non-permissive environment. These two terms mean that you may be in danger if you're found. So, sending up a smoke signal by starting an open fire in the middle of the street is probably not good if you don't want to be found. You ideally would like to be able to keep yourself warm and cook food if you find it. But maybe you should find a way to diffuse the smoke and not get caught. Maybe you should find a place on a building where the wind moving down the street moves the smoke around things. Some cities you'll find, if you go into them, have long streets that funnel the wind from any direction and cause the smoke that you would have to travel way down the street before it ever comes up and is visible. Modern buildings, in a lot of ways, can be like a little wind tunnel. These sort of things are important to know. So test your environment and see what it looks like and how it acts before you actually do something like starting a large fire. So in an urban environment, you're not going to have streams to gather water, but think about everything that you see around you in the average city. If you can find a water source, then you can purify that water. You may have to boil it. You may have to add some sort of chemistry to it, like bleach or iodine. However, you have to find it first. Now, in a city, you're going to have a lot of places where there's standing water. Human uh, constructs provide places where we have a lot of trash. We have a lot of we have buckets, we have cups, we have bottles, we have these things all just thrown about in some back alleys that you'll see in most places. And even the cleanest cities allow you to find things in dumpsters. And if something has been sitting out and it has rained, then there may be collected water in it. I wouldn't really ideally recommend drinking that directly and right away, but you might find some old tin cans to put it in, start a small fire, and boil it to, to purify it. Things like that are available out in the wilderness with modern pollution as well. But we generally talk about what you can improvise out there. In the city, you may, in the event of an emergency, be able to stop by some broken open store and find an actual pot or pan still on the shelf, something that you could use. Ideally, it would be beautiful if you could walk into the supermarket, pick up some charcoal, and a pan for boiling it in. And I'm, ass I'm assuming that this is a case where this is deserted. You're not just looting. The, uh, the, the elements of survival supersede the niceties of stopping and paying for something. But a conscientious person will remember where they got everything. If this is going to be a situation where society recycles and sets itself back up after... A natural disaster, if you needed that right now and you are not harming someone else or taking something from somebody else and you plan to make a recompense later, coming back to the store saying, hey, while you were down, I needed this. I got three gallons of water off the shelf. I'd like to pay for them now. You know, a lot of people are going to listen to what I just said and think, you know, it's everybody for themselves in this situation. 
that's a very dangerous viewpoint. Everybody for themselves creates chaos and anarchy. The goal here is to survive, and sometimes people forget that their duty in a civilization is not only to survive themselves, but also to make the civilization or society better. That also means helping other people survive. So, if you can go back to that viewpoint of creating your own little culture, civilization, or community that's going to be a prepper community, maybe you're in a place you don't have that. But at this point, if there are other people in the city, the urban environment, whatever you want to call it, then you should organize and pool your resources so that everyone can help each other. You'll find that it's pretty hard to do everything yourself in a situation where you're surviving. If you're really thinking, well, I can do that, I don't need anybody else, find someone who has a real live story about that in the context of maybe a pilot who has ever gone through uh, the, the training to deal with things behind enemy lines if they get shot down. And if you're fortunate enough to know someone who has actually had that drama, you will find that those people, whether they're Vietnam vets, um, Middle Eastern uh, campaign of, of some sort recently, vets, you will find that there's one thing that they will say in common. If they were there alone, it was tiring and stressful in the extreme. If you find someone who had another pilot with them, another soldier or someone else to help, at least they had the opportunity to stop and take shifts. And one could watch the other one's back. A rested person survives better. Sleep is one of the most amazing things for changing your mindset entirely. And if you lose it, it can change your mindset to the negative. So, create that community and get people to help. Somebody standing guard 24 hours will eventually fail. But if you can put people on 4-hour, 6-hour shifts and then change people out to the point that they never get too tired being there, then you have much better security. And at that point, you also have a community of people who have different skills. If you have to stop dressing an animal that you have hunted to collect and boil water, then you run the, the extended uh, risk of that meat being contaminated by local insects and parasites. And you need to get it cleaned now as quickly as possible. But at the expense of water, the, you, you see what I'm saying. You have to have as much efficiency built into your community as you can. And if everybody's doing different jobs, more jobs get done right now. In an urban environment, I want you to think about where you would get water. We talked about standing containers. There may be still faucets that work, and there may be still water pressure in the lines. If nothing else, there's probably water pressure from high-standing buildings that still have water in their pipes. So water's probably not going to be as hard to find in an urban environment as it would be in the wilderness. Now let's talk about fire. If you're in an urban environment, there's going to be the debris of humanity all around you. Uh, fire is an important thing. Everybody has to be able to create fire. 
we talk about survival and that sort of people start thinking about, oh, well, I, I know how to make a fire drill and I can rub two sticks together and, uh, you know, put a Bic lighter in your pocket. I don't care if you don't smoke. There's going to be a time and a place that that's going to be handy. Put a Bic lighter in your pocket. Put a Bic lighter in your uh, backpack. Put one in your glove box. Put one in, etc., etc. The goal being that you have as many sources of fire as possible. And no, they shouldn't all be Bic lighters. But if you've ever used something more expensive, like a Zippo or a butane lighter, uh, they are prone to uh, puncture, valve failure, the evaporation of fluid. A Bic lighter's for what you pay for it, uh, just an absolute amazing little thing. Now, you should also know how to use a ferrocerium rod, how to collect tinder, how to create fire from a fire piston or two sticks or a fire drill. What I'm saying is, don't start with the hardest thing in your library. Start with something easy. Carry a big lighter. Now, the rest of the things that you're going to have to find in this situation are probably going to be much easier than the wilderness. In urban survival, you're in urban places. Humans build houses. They have buildings. That's the definition of an urban environment. Shelter is going to be much easier, but the, the question here is, is it safe shelter? This may be good shelter against the weather, but with we need to think about what the predatory situation is. Are there bands of looting humans? Are there packs of wild dogs? Do you have uh, feral rats? Um, if you're in Florida, maybe you have all of those and nutria. Uh, if you don't know what nutria is, look that up. Uh, if you're not from the deep south and have an idea about what a rat the size of a possum looks like. So, <clears throat> shelter is important but easy to find. Strategically, you should have control over the entrance and exits to that particular piece of shelter. Now, what else do you need? Well, you need the resources of food, so you're going to have to take a look at what you can hunt. I hate to say it, but, you know, rats, nutria, feral dogs, yeah, fair game if that's all you got in the city. But let's talk about the fact that you're in an urban environment and maybe you don't have to hunt things that are breathing the first day. You could probably scavenge and look around for some canned food first. You very, very seldom have to stand in a tree stand early morning at 5 a.m. to get a can of beans. They're probably just going to sit there on the shelf and let you walk right up to them. They're really tame. So, in an urban environment, this is probably not going to be as big a deal as it would be if you were you know, parachuted out of an airplane that was crashing in the Alps. Some different considerations here than the wilderness environment. So, the next thing is getting out. When do you decide if you're just going to stay in and wait for somebody to get you, or if you're going to try to hump it out and pack everything you need? The first thing you've got to do is gather your resources. If you're going to get out, decide how far you've got to go. The best situational uh, awareness that you can have of your area is important and a good direction that you think is generally going to be the safest one. Plan for how far you're going to be moving every day. Plan for how many resources you need and pack ahead and plan your next waypoint. Know when you're going to run out. 
if we're going to run out of food or water tomorrow, then between now and tomorrow, I need to find a place to replenish because I don't want to be in a situation where I run out and then I replenish. You should have a, have a considerable overlap with the replenishment. So, these are the things that are different in consideration with survival in the urban environment. A lot of people will talk about survival in the wilderness, and we'll do that too, but there's a lot of cool things that you can use as tools in an urban environment because it was made by humans, and humans are tool makers. So, think about the situation. Let's role play and put ourselves in there. Put your mind game on and say, what would I do if? What would I look for? What could hurt me? What do I need to avoid? And what would be the ideal situation to save me and get me out of there? Education, practice, application. I'm really glad we got this opportunity to sit here and talk. And I want you to come back and listen again because I enjoy talking to you. My survival technicians, you are awesome. Keep an eye out for ways to improve your life with any of these bits of information. See if you can do something with them and pass them along to others. The goal here is that we're all better. Thanks again for listening and come see me again in the next episode. <laughs>